Well, those of you that are longtime watchers of the show uh, know that there's um, one particular topic that the three of us just keep coming back to repeatedly, partially because it's got nothing to do with politics and it's always nice to get that taste out of your mouth. But we're all um, interested in space flight, space exploration. We've done uh, live shows where the where they ran the probe into a comet and we're constantly talking about SpaceX and, and, and all this other stuff. So so that all appeals to the three of us and I'm sure it appeals to many of you too. And by the way, I'm Bill Little here with Steve Green and Scott. But guys, I saw something that I've also talked about mostly on my other channel on Stratosphere Studios. There's a, um, a computer program out there called uh, Space Engine and it's not a game and it's not really quite a simulator. It's, it's important that people get what this is just super fast. What it basically does is it's you can all the planets in our solar system are to scale. You can travel from one to the other. And then there are, honest to God, in some cases, if you download some of the extras, millions of stars and you can click on one of those stars and go there and the computer, the computer will will procedurally generate a solar system based on what we know about planetary dynamics. So there is, in fact, millions and millions of these dots out there, and the users are going to explore all of these things, trying to find Earth-like planets. Now, one of these guys uh, uh, who's got a channel called Love Life 42, I'm sorry, Live Life 42, put together a montage that I saw. I'm just going to show you a little bit of it, because when I watched this, I had a, a realization that I thought was worth doing a show about. So here's just a little bit of, of some scenes from Space Engine on uh, as put together by a YouTuber named Live Life 42. I saw I saw these incredible images, right? And and while they're fictional in terms of being procedural, they are astronomically accurate. This is what it would look like if there was a planet in this particular place. And it just blew me away. And I've always been interested in this, always been interested in science fiction. And and it made me think, Steve, about what what is it about space exploration? Why do we do it? Why is it such a hook in in some people? And it, it Obviously, the tech is cool, but that's not why we go. I, I actually, looking at this video, I thought, I think maybe we go for beauty. Maybe we just go for beauty because these images are just stunningly oh. beautiful. But but I, I realize that's not quite true either because images of Mars or whatever are not particularly beautiful, but, but they are they still got that same kind of magic, and I realize magic. that I think the reason I think the reason we explore space is because we are in search of the one thing that is really essential to human beings and missing from our civilization. And my Jim, my friend Jim Harding mentioned this. He says what we're really looking for is wonder. Yes. He says what wonder a- and awe are not the same thing. You can be in awe of the starship program right that's that's awe inspiring awesome is the most overused word in the world but you look at what what musk is doing it's awe inspiring but that's not wonder but those images that we saw and the idea of walking out there onto the surface of another planet or 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 the apollo missions for that matter that's a bleak landscape 
but it fills you with wonder. And there is no wonder left here in the world. Our, there really isn't. Our frontiers we, we, are We explored closed. everywhere, and you, there's no place on earth you can't go where you can't make a phone call. Yeah. Um, you know, you reminded me of, Bill, when you talk about wonder. Um, I can't remember if this was in the uh, book, but it was in the, the, the movie version of Contact. Where we we we've built the uh, the the interstellar transport device, the interdimensional thing, and uh, Ellie Arroway, played by played by Jodie Foster. We don't know exactly what this thing is going to do, where it's going to send her, how it's going to work, any of this stuff. We're just building it from alien instructions, and her capsule is transiting these stargates, and all of this, all of the beauty in the universe you could ever imagine is flying by her, and she has she has tears in her eyes because the only thing she can think to say is. They should have sent a poet. And I yeah. just, I love that scene. Which, by the way, uh, Musk is doing courtesy of a Japanese billionaire whose name I, uh, escapes me. But they're sending a team of, uh, uh, I can't remember how many artists, poets, songwriters right. on a starship trip around the moon. They're basically going to repeat mm-hmm. Apollo 8, except... It's going to be in this amazing reusable spacecraft that's going to hold, you know, a dozen people in luxury. Well space luxury instead of three people crammed up like this for uh, for a week week and a half um very very exciting stuff by the way if the timing it all works for the three of us i think we need to to live cast the first starship orbital test absolutely flight, yes 100 percent. which is supposed to happen later this year as soon as the epa gets the hell out of elon musk's way later this month i think can right we, can uh, we do that from the inside all right. <laughs> Sign me up. I was just going to say, I, I, I can throw together a couple of haikus and get them to Elon real fast in case That's the guy right. gets sick. Or, or, or would be, or, or might unfortunately find himself with an unexplained accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, and about this search for Earth-like planets, man, I wish us luck. Uh, you know, I, I grew up watching Star Trek in reruns. The The show debuted, you know, a couple of years before I was born, so I certainly wasn't watching even the last season when it was when it was on TV. But I grew up watching the reruns every Saturday afternoon. More, I, I can't even tell you how many times I watched them all. Um, but every planet was basically the same. It was just what color is going to dominate this week's set, essentially. And there's always a nice flat place for people to stand and talk and, you know, whip out their phasers and for a red shirt to die. Um, and one of the reasons I loved uh, Interstellar, which I think had some some flaws, but also had that sense of wonder because the alien worlds were so alien. And they were that thing we forget about in our hopeful science fiction, which is they were inhospitable in every way imaginable, yes. every single one of these planets. And yet wonderful at the same time in how in how alien they were to our to our eyes and 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 to our survivability frankly and i don't think there's anything more important than finding other places or uh, building other places i i'm a big supporter in you know putting habitats in the grange points and we need to do that we need to we need to get stuff off this world we we can't, as many others have said, keep all our eggs in one basket. And the way to do that, the way to sustain that effort, Bill, is to to generate wonder. And that's that's what this software does. It's it's really lovely. And I just want to say one last thing. You mentioned how few people comparatively are really crazy about this stuff in the way we are. And I think that if you go back however many thousands of years, uh, there were probably relatively few early human beings who, who left the rift 
in Eastern Africa to, to go exploring. And there were relatively few of those who made it as far as Europe, and, and even fewer of those who made it all the way to, uh, to, to Siberia, and fewer of those who made it to the Americas. It's always a, a subset who want to leave what they know. That's right. They've got to see what's over the next go. hill. And that's yeah. what we're doing, Bill. They're so self-selecting for wonder. Yeah, and Arthur C. Clarke, who um, co-wrote 2001 A Space Odyssey, is based on a book of his, I think, called The Sentinel. Um, the, those proto-humans in the beginning of 2001 A Space Odyssey, they don't have names in the movie, obviously, but in the book, that, that ape who first learns to use tools is named Moonwatcher because that's what he does. All the other apes are sleeping, and he's out there staring at the moon. He's, he's, he's captivated by it. He's, he, it. It is wonderful to him. And that's, that's why he's the one that makes the mental breakthrough. Uh, Scott, I, I'm, I'm kind of fond of a show you know, that, that, that uh, introduced me to wonder. When Star Trek The Next Generation opens, the opening credits for Star Trek The Next Generation is very, bah, 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 you know, it's just lots and lots of trumpets, and it's just very, you know, kind of martial and triumphant. But that's because the galaxy's already explored by then in the show that I love, which would be uh, that show right there. Um, in that show, the opening theme music is very different. It's just those ding, dong, dong, dong. And then this guy comes on and he talks about what we're going to do is we're going to explore strange new worlds. Not we're going to look for new planets. We're going to explore strange new worlds. We're going to seek out new life and new civilizations. And we're going to boldly go where no man has gone before because that's where the wonder is. There are things out there. Space is the final frontier because it's endless. And and the, to kind of tie this thing up, Space Engine allows you to go to a, any one of millions of stars and see what's there. There's no way to know. But wonder, wonder, wonder. And, and I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. And I was also wondering if you had any thoughts about the idea that, that wonder has largely disappeared from the planet where we have satellite coverage of every square inch of Earth and, and instantaneous communications. Is there anything out there on planet Earth that we haven't already seen? And the only exception I can think of are some of these deep dive expeditions to the bottom of the ocean. Bill, it's everywhere. Um, it's not just that it's somewhere we need to find it. It is all around us. And I, I make a practice myself when I do my morning walks around my little community here. I live very close to the edge of a lake and there's some trails through the woods and things like that. And as often as I can, as often as the light permits it, um, I take pictures of simple things, of small flowers, of trees, of the sunrise, of the clouds as they're painted across the dawn sky. And I post them to our community Facebook page. And the only really reason I do this is to cultivate that sense of wonder. Um, and I want the people who live in this community who, like me, have to hop in the car and do the commute and get to the workplace and clock in on time and, and all that kind of stuff. And you're racing back and forth and you got to get the kids to soccer and you got to get to the grocery store and, you know, or the grocery store you got to order and they come to you, whatever it is these days. Um, I, I don't want us to miss it. Um, it, you know, life is, is racing past you and there's something about taking a walk 
out in the woods, stopping to take a picture of a flower that's not as big as the end of my finger, but zooming in up tight or taking a picture of some water droplets hanging on a, a bush. Or like the the picture I took two days ago of the sunrise, uh, it's phenomenal. And mm-hmm. everybody who sees it goes, uh, what kind of filters do you use on that? <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know what kind of filters God uses, but I just pointed my camera <laughs> at it and yeah. shot it. Yeah. Um, I didn't do anything to it. Um, we are we are immersed in it. And I think the tragedy, and, and I think you rightly point this out, is that we're blind to it. It's not that it doesn't exist anymore. It's just that we're not looking for it. Um, I am reading, um, as you guys know, uh, on Undaunted Courage by Stephen Ambrose about the, this journey of discovery uh, across what was to become the United States. But... Um, from, by Lewis and Clark, leaving you know St. Louis and going all the way to the Pacific Ocean, looking for a waterway that would facilitate trade all the way across the country and not finding it, uh, of course, to get all the way across. But while Meriwether Lewis is in mortal danger and while his men are suffering diseases and sometimes he's suffering diseases and while they're going through all this physical discomfort of getting caught in a freezing rain and just having to stay the whole night being drenched with rain he always finds a moment to write about something he sees and he's writing he'll like write a 500 word description of a bird that he's never seen before and he'll draw pictures of fish that he saw that he that, that are unfamiliar to him from his uh, Virginia upbringing. And his journal is just filled with these detailed descriptions of this magnificent stuff, much of which science had never seen before um, and had never been described before. And then, you know, he comes up over this rise and he thinks he's seen the Rocky Mountains. And then he gets past that and he then sees the Rocky Mountains again. And then he sees the Rocky Mountains again. And when when Stephanie and I went on our honeymoon, we drove across Kansas uh, from Missouri to Colorado and we went to Estes Park. But I, I swear that God put Kansas there so that by the time you got to Colorado, <laughs> you would have a deep appreciation for what you were seeing. And kind I know, of a palate cleanser when it comes yes, to landscape. Yeah, I know. I mean... We stayed at a campground in Kansas. We stayed at a KOA campground that had the tree, you know, the tree for the area. <laughs> and right. then we get to Colorado, and I and I know I was driving her insane, but every corner we go around, I'm going, wow, look at that mountain. Wow, look at that mountain. Look at that mountain. <laughs> like it's just over and over again. So um, yes, I think we have a problem, but it's not because the the, the objects of wonder don't exist. The creator of that wonder is alive and well, and he designed it for the long run. And if you just simply step out and gaze a little bit and look around and take a walk, um, you will suddenly realize that you are surrounded by a fantastic artist who's constantly doing little detail work that you never would have noticed if you hadn't paused. You know, Scott, I, 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 Every day, almost every day of my life for the last 28 and a half years, I have seen Pikes Peak. And every day I go, wow. Yeah. Well, part of the, the, the point here is that you can not experience wonder through a, a device. Uh, and, I, and I know this to be a fact. Um, about 10 years ago, my mom came out here. It was the last time I think she was really lucid and really there. So um, we went up to Sequoia National Park. It was about a 
two and a half hour drive from where I live. Now, I had seen plenty of pictures of sequoia trees, and I told my mom, Mom, we're going to go see some really, really big trees. Like, well, no, really, really big trees. So we're driving our way up there, and there's all these incredible, you know, California redwoods, and they're astonishing. The redwoods are astonishing. Well, whoa, look at this. This thing, I wonder, are those sequoias? Are they sequoias? They're very big. And then you see your first sequoia, and you and I just stopped the car, and and it was a relatively small one. And we got out and we looked at this. And you just can't believe it. It's not credible. <laughs> you know, it is incredible. It's not possible to believe this is real. So you're right. There is wonder everywhere, and you don't get to experience that unless you're out there. Getting not only the you know the 8K resolution in stereo to 120 frames a second plus the smells and the sounds, you don't experience that unless you see it. You cannot capture the scale of a sequoia until you see a sequoia. There's simply not possible. Now, as far as this other world thing goes, when I was looking at montages like this one, and I'll put the link to, to how to buy Space Engine if you're interested in it, and I'll also put a link to, to this, and I'll put a link to a couple of the things I did on, on my other channel up with Space Engine for those of you that are interested. But when I looked at this montage last night, just stumbled on it, I looked at all these images, these stunning images of being being nighttime on a planet with rings, where the rings are extending over the horizon, you know, and there are moons in the rings, and these places do exist. And I just kept saying to myself, I want to be there. I want to see it. What I'm looking at now is the difference between a sequoia and a picture of a sequoia. I want to walk on these planets, and I'm not going to get a chance to do it. But what I can do is... Through, through entertainment, you can get people very close. Now, I have a complete disagreement with Jim Cameron and his politics, and I think Avatar is the worst. Both Avatars are the, are the most badly written movies I've ever seen, but both of them, second one especially, really give you a sense of, of wonder because it's like, wow, that's that's amazing. And we don't have enough that's amazing in the world. And that's why we do things like start scratching our own fleas and, 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 and you know, and, and chewing our own fingernails to, to, to stubs. Because there's no, there's nothing wonderful in the world, at least if you're not looking for it. And all of this social justice stuff and all of this other stuff that makes people angry and, and, and they're humorless and they're, and they're always serious and they seem like they're always just always pissed off these social justice warriors. I don't think they've ever encountered anything that filled them with wonder, and I, and, and I wish they would. So I, I, I'm i just nuts for anybody that'll get us out there. Bert Rutan's vehicle was, as again, as my friend points out, wasn't wonderful, it was amazing. The Starship isn't wonderful, it's amazing. I saw the launch of Apollo 11, uh, sorry, 13 with my own eyes. It wasn't wonderful, it was amazing, but when... Neil Armstrong stepped out onto the surface of the moon. That was wonderful. That was transcendental. And that is what we, especially as Americans, as, as, as was pointed out, this is what we self-selected for. We are the descendants of the people who had to find out what's on the other side of that next hill. And I just say, let's just keep that in mind. There's plenty of wonder here on the earth to find, but there's an infinite supply of wonder out there and for and i'm just bringing it up because i think sometimes those of us who are really into this stuff don't even fully realize what it is about it that we love so much but we love the sense that this machine this probe this rocket this this machine may allow us 
to experience a sense of wonder as we explore strange new worlds, seek out new life and new civilizations, and boldly go where no man has gone before. For Steve Green and Scott Out, I'm Bill Whittle. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you on the next edition of Right Angle.